Now, we will be turning quite a few places. If you don't want to turn, that's fine. But uh, I encourage you just kind of keep your Bible open and we'll, we'll go as quick as we can. Now, as we started this particular message, we started it in Sunday school a few weeks ago. And uh, we just entitled it The Enemy, uh, which, of course, is Satan. And we didn't have a text verse to start with. We just really uh, started battering down on some thoughts. Uh, we started with, does Satan exist? And, of course, we know uh, that through faith in the Word of God that he does. Um, then we talked about the origin of Satan. And uh, if you want a copy of this, I'll be happy to give it to you. Uh, but then the sin of Satan. In Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28, it talks about uh, how that he kept saying, I will, I will, I will. And at the very end of that, in verse number 17, I believe, in Ezekiel chapter 28, uh, he said, I will ascend to to the throne, essentially. And so he dealt with that sin of pride. I'm not going to say that's the only sin that he committed at that point, but he said, I will be like the Most High. And then we talked last time on where is Satan now, and we told you that there are a lot of folks that believe he is in hell. Uh, I don't believe that because we have the Word of God. He says in um, Ephesians that he is the prince and the power of the air. In First Peter, he says that he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. In the book of Job, he says he's walking to and fro in the earth. And so it sounds like to me he's here and he's working in the hearts of men and women. And uh, but but the good news is he may not be in hell now, but he will be. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but his eternal destination is in the lake of fire. Now we also dealt a little bit last week with Satan's working, and uh, we said that he works among the unsaved. The Bible says that he uh, he blinds blinded the eyes of them which believe not. Uh, but then he also works in those that are saved. Uh, in John, First John chapter number four, verse number four. Uh, he, let me just read over there. I, don't, I can't quote that right now. Uh, should be able to. First John chapter four, verse number four. Uh, he talks about that one that is in you. Okay. He says, "Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world." So, if we are to overcome, what or who should we overcome? We are to overcome our enemy, the Satan, uh, uh, the devil, or Satan. And uh, we talked a little bit more about how that he works among uh, people that are saved, those Christians. And then um, we kind of stopped with the, the thought on how to deal with Satan now. And in, in that particular point, we need to remember that he is a defeated foe. Uh, the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter number uh, 2, verse number 14, uh, that Christ came, this tied in with the message we were preaching on Sunday, uh, finished up on Sunday, that Christ became sin for us, so that he could defeat Satan there in chapter 2 of Hebrews. In uh, John chapter number 16, uh, let me read there real quick. I didn't write that one down. John chapter 16, verse number 11, he says um, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So again, remember that Satan is a defeated foe. Uh, we ought to remember that we are on the winning side. Again, First John 4, 4, that uh, ye are of God, and greater is he that is what? 
in you than he that is in the world. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how we ought to deal with him. Uh, we ought to put on uh, truth, right? Put on that whole armor of God. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. Uh, and then we ended with the thought of never retreat, always resist. Now, I taught, I taught, uh, uh, um, I, uh, I, I taught something. It wasn't a marriage retreat. It wasn't a couple's retreat, but it, it kind of was woven into that. But I taught on retreating, and I mentioned this just several weeks ago, that many times, especially in, in older forms of battle, even, even you go back to World War One, World War Two. Uh, that there were battle lines drawn, but there were also times of retreat. And oftentimes when they would retreat, and they may do this now, uh, but they would not retreat because they saw that they were losing, but they retreated because they could see a better way to win, an easier way to win. And so uh, I don't want you to, to be on that line when I, when I say that in defeating or dealing with the devil, we need to never retreat, okay? Um, we need to always resist. This is scripturally sound in James chapter number, and I'll get to Isaiah here in just a minute, I promise. Uh, but in James chapter number 4, verse number 7, we see the, the scripture says that, uh, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He didn't say retreat from the devil to get away from him, but he said resist the devil and he will flee. Well, we've, we've mentioned this before several, several times. How are we to resist? Well, you can't resist the devil until you submit to God. And so let's always remember that if we're going to deal with the devil, then we've got to be close to God. Well, Joe kind of said this last night in our uh, our meeting last night, even after the meeting, that if if you want to get if you want to get far away from the devil, you want to deal with the flesh. The only way you can do that is to get closer to God. How do you get closer to God? Through Bible reading, through devotion, through uh, laying some things down in your life, through prayer, and truly seeking the face of God. And so, never retreat, but rather resist. Over in First Peter chapter number 5, verse number 9, we know this. It says, uh, whom resist, talking about that devil, your adversary there in verse number 8. He says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So what should we do? We should resist steadfast. He goes on to say, in the faith. It is nothing that we can do in our flesh. You can go to the gym and you can be buff and you can work out all the time. But I'm going to tell you something. Your flesh is always going to lose when it comes to spiritual battles. Okay? And so we need to resist rather than retreat. Another scripture there in Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 23 Matthew 16, verse number 23. Uh, let me just read verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 22. 
Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Here's our verse that we want to get to. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about this. Um, was Jesus talking to Satan or to Peter? Well, if you read your Bible, and I hope you do, we just read it, but he turned and said unto Peter. He said unto Peter, but then he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, what does this say? Well, we've already discussed how that Satan can work in the lives of believers. And so the reason that this is happening is defined there in verse number 23. He says, you're savoring the things of the world, those things of men, not the things of God. How often do we find ourselves looking at the things of this world rather than the things of God, and we make decisions based on the flesh and how it can benefit us rather than how it can benefit the will of God. What did Jesus pray in the garden? He said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not thy will, but not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus himself, we discussed this Sunday, he was 100% God, but 100% man. He could have said, Lord, let this, God, let this cup pass from me. Amen. And been done with it. But as an example, he said, don't let my will be done, but yours, God. And so this is an example here in Peter that many times our self-will comes to the surface. And even in the face of God, Peter was in the face of Christ. Peter rebuked Christ. You saw that, right? He rebuked Christ and said, that's not going to happen. You're not going to die. And Jesus replied, Get thee behind me, Satan. So there, there is time, there are times in our lives where it will be difficult to resist Satan and it will be difficult to resist ourselves, but we must do it. We must always resist. There's a, a final warning and this is where we'll end this tonight. Uh, there's a final warning about the character and the workings of Satan. I told you we'd be in Isaiah. And so we go to Isaiah chapter number 14, verse number 4. Or 14, rather. Um, we just came off of verse 13. This is where he says, I'm going to do all of these things. I will ascend. I will exalt my throne. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. But verse 14 says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most High. So Satan had high ambitions in himself and for himself. It wasn't enough to just ascend into heaven in verse 13. It wasn't just enough for him to exalt his throne above the stars of God. But little by little, he began to get higher. He said, I, look, look, look at verse 13, I will ascend into heaven. He said, that's not good enough. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's not good enough. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Then I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Then he says, I will be like the most high. Now, right now we're talking about the, the character and the working of Satan. He had high ambitions. 
He had plans. But again, just in case you have forgotten, those plans did not work. God cast him out of heaven. God judged him. Just as, just as Jesus was, was before the foundations of the world slain, Satan, before what we know as the earth now, was already doomed to hell. He was already doomed to, to damnation. Eternal damnation. And it's because those high ambitions kept growing and growing until he said, I'll tell you what, I'll just be like God. So, we look at this, this thought also, that Satan will intimidate every good thing that God has done. This is where we run into problems a lot of times in our modern churches because um, you, you, you see it in, in our... I'm going to use the word contemporary, but I'm not necessarily meaning a contemporary church. I'm saying our modern churches, they are our contemporaries. In other words, we're living at the same time. What we find is they try to... It, it goes from one side being very formal to only singing certain songs, only playing certain instruments, uh, or Church of Christ, they don't play any instruments, or you go to even, even, even Baptist churches, they are so formal, they don't even allow the working of God in their services, or, or maybe even in their lives, I don't know. And then you go to a church like ours, that many would say that we're charismatic, we're not, we're Bible-fashioned, we worship the way the Bible tells us we should worship. We do the things that's pleasing to God. We, we try to live a holy and a righteous life. We don't mix in all of those things, but we come back at the end of every day. Hey, I, I need to look, make sure I was living right. And then you go to then another extreme where you have uh, faith healers. You have people coming up and they're been hit or breathed on and they're falling back and they're convulsing and they're being slain in the spirit and then you have those that all of that's kind of weird but we're going to we're going to play uh this music and we're going to have these lights and we're going to have all of this stuff and it's going to attract all of the young folks and it's going to attract some some older folks and it's going to attract everybody if they just want to come and fit in uh we're going to have it and we're going to do it and they they little by little they lower their standards while on the other end that formal crowd they have so much legality to them that that you can't worship God even if you wanted to because it's against the rules well satan too often inserts his own disguised offering, if you will, that's opposite from what God wants. Maybe church, maybe music, maybe a book, maybe dress. Whatever it is, you, you think of anything that God institutes. Speaking of instituting, marriage. God instituted marriage between a man and a woman. Satan has worked through men and women to now, now we have in our country, we have marriage between pretty much whatever you want. It could be two men, it could be two women. I told Lori I saw something the other day 
It was the oddest thing. It was these two people dating. But there was a girl that quote-unquote identified as a boy. And there was a boy that identified as a girl. But they were dating. Well, if that ain't the goofiest thing I've ever seen before in my life. And so it doesn't matter. God has said, here is what marriage is defined as. Satan says, oh, we can do better than that. We'll let them marry whoever they want. So, know that there is also another option where Satan is concerned. We'll look at some scriptures. I told you about 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I want you to know that there will, Satan has another Jesus. He has another Christ. I'm sad to say that there's a lot of folks, maybe in our families, that they are worshiping another Jesus. They're worshiping another God. They may call Him God. They may call Him Jesus. They might, they may know about the Holy Spirit, but there's something different. They're worshiping something different. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 4. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. He says, if they're preaching the truth, stay with them. But I'll just kind of go ahead and shoot this whole thing out. Another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. It says it all right here in this verse. There's going to be some that they're going to come and they're going to offer you another Jesus. They're going to offer you another gospel. They're going to offer you another spirit of God. But we have to be true to what we've heard, what we've preached, and what the Word of God says. Let's let's drive home this about Christ. We'll come back maybe to uh, here in Second Corinthians, but uh, the book of First John, chapter number two, verse number eighteen. First John chapter 2, verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So, let's just define it. This Antichrist... It is an adversary of the Messiah. It's adversary of Christ. Okay? It is, um, if we could say it like this, it is opposite of Christ. They may use that name, but it is not the same Christ. And so we know that there is another Jesus. There's also another spirit. We mentioned there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 4, he mentions there another spirit. Now, let's jump back to chapter number 4 of First John, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits which uh, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, 
and even now already is it in the world. Now, did you catch that? If you're reading it, you should have seen it. In my Bible, there, there's only one Spirit that's capitalized, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's the, 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 the Holy Ghost, if you will. But it says that we, that he said there's many spirits. There's many things that are, that are in the world. There's many different things that will try to influence you. And he says you need to try them. You need to test those spirits, whether they are of God. He said if those spirits, they proclaim that Jesus came in the likeness of man, in, in flesh, he said that's spirits of God. But if they say that, oh, he was just, uh, he was just an angel, or he was just a prophet, or he was just a great teacher, he said, that spirit's not of God. So there's another Jesus. There's another spirit. There's another gospel. Uh, we can go back to chapter number 11, 2 Corinthians. We can look at verse number 4. We see there very plainly that there is another gospel. But let's look at Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 9. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 9. Y'all awful quiet on me. I'm just making sure y'all still alive. Say amen. Alright, about six of y'all are with me. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 9. And we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So Paul is preaching to this young church at Galatia and he said, listen, there's going to be other preachers. There's going to be other Gospels. But if you hear anything other than what I'm preaching you... Now, this is not Paul having a big head saying, it's my way or the highway. He's simply saying, listen, I saw Jesus eyeball to eyeball. This is right. I didn't get this from some man. I got this on the way to kill other Christ believers. I know that this is the right way. This is the only way. I'm not making it up. So he says, listen, if you hear any other gospel, he said, he said, just let him be accursed. There's other ministers. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. This time we look at verse number 13, 14, and 15. It says, for such are false prophets. All right, let, let's go back a little bit, a little bit. Let's go up to verse number Let's go up to verse number 10. And the truth of Christ is in me. No man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, how's this going to happen? Because I love you not, God knoweth. Verse number 12. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion. I'm going to, I'm going to, he says, I, I'm going that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Paul's got a plan here, and he's going to share the gospel in Achaia. And he said, essentially, if they want to get in my way, they're going to have to do it. He said, I, I, I'm, going, I'm going to take all opposition, but I'm going. I'm going to do it. But he's talking about these people in verse number 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Y'all don't get the weight of this right here. First he called them just false apostles, deceitful workers. 
But then he said they transfer them, transfer themselves into the apostles of Christ. But where the rubber meets the road, Brother Terry, is he, he threw off the gloves. He said, the reason they're doing this, it ain't no wonder why they do it, Nick. He said, because Satan did it. What he said was, these are workers of Satan. And so we need to understand that as, as, as Satan is working in this world, some of his characteristics, some of his working is to create another Jesus, to create another spirit, another gospel but other ministers as well. He says in verse number 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, these people, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Jody, wasn't it Saturday we were talking? Was it? I believe it was Saturday we were talking and we came up with that, that question about in Matthew chapter 24 that many are going to stand before Christ. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works? Have we not prophesied in thy name? And go on and on and on. What's Jesus going to tell them? Because he doesn't know them. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. There's a lot of folks doing a lot of good in Jesus' name, but they don't know who Jesus is. There's other ministers. There's, there's another word of God. Second Corinthians chapter number 2. Verse number 17. I'm hearing the pages turn, so I'm giving you just a second. Second Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 17. For we are not as many. Here's the many. Which corrupt the Word of God. He said, we're not like the people that corrupt the Word of God. Let's, let's go on. He says, but we are as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So there are, and you could see it, when there were Bible bookstores, I don't even know if there are very many now. They used to be all over. We'd go in and I remember growing up first First Bible bookstore I ever went into. It was called Joy and Peace, I believe is the name of it. It was right on the side of a one-way street. Creel Avenue in Palatka, Florida. You could go in there and, I mean, just a whole wall of King James Bibles. I'm being serious. There was, there was a, a little, a little, not a room, but same wall, but there was a little area over here. They had a lot. But there, there, there was there was more King James Bibles than there was anything, and then something happened, something changed, and now there's. The last time I've been in a Christian bookstore, there's a small section of King James Bibles. Everything we were in Barnes and I believe it's Barnes and Nobles or Books a Million, something like that, in Sevierville a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there were there were just racks and racks of Bibles. But you had to go through them to see where the King James was, and there was just one single line of King James that went from the floor up. Just one. There is another Word of God. And people people are flocking to them. It might be the, the New American Standard, New King James, the International Standard Version, the um, Revised Standard. Revised Standard Version was the very first um, 
Bible that was the, 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 the mistranslated outside or after the King James. It was the first modern translation, is what I'm trying to say. And it's been going strong. There is another Bible. Well, Jody, you just, you just taught the boys about that in Sunday school. And you realize how many verses are missing in many modern translations. Well, Jody mentioned it the other day, and I were talking about this, and he said many times where those, those verses, Kurt mentioned in Sunday school, many times where those verses are, are very uh, pointed. One word that they, they never translate that I have seen, the word sodom, sodomy or sodomite or sodom, uh, they, or, or um, unnatural affection or effeminate, they always take out that one word and they replace it with temple prostitutes or they replace it with, uh, with some other definition of the word instead of saying what it does. And when they do that, it softens the meaning of it. Satan has another minister, another word of God, another gospel, another spirit, another Jesus. Know that Satan also, I'm not going to give you these scriptures, but Satan has a counterfeit ministry. We've already seen that he's got a different word of God. We've already seen that he's got different ministers or different preachers, these false prophets, if you will. And so if he's got those two, he's going to have a ministry. I'm very careful, very careful in what I'm about to say. This is not boasting or anything, but I've been preaching for 29 years. Okay, I've been in the ministry, if you will, for 29 years. But not one time have I ever said my ministry. And I hear that all the time. I hear preachers, even preachers that I know, great preachers, and and I think, I feel like I know their heart, but they'll say my ministry. It is not ours. We've been counted faithful to be in the ministry, and it is God's ministry. But if we're not careful, we start heaping these accolades upon ourselves because of our ministry, my ministry, and very easily it can be transformed into His ministry instead of God. Matthew chapter 13, it talks about those tares and those wheat. Man sent out men to go plant wheat. They did that and the enemy came and he sowed bad seed. He, he sowed tares as well. I didn't know it. Came up, it, 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 it looked, like, looked like wheat until it was harvest time. Getting close to harvest. And they said, they said to the master, do we, do we need to, to just try to get all the tares out? Try to save the wheat? He said, no, it's too far gone. He said, just wait until it's time to harvest. Those tares, they're going to do one of two things. One of three things. We'll, we'll put it that way. They're going to cause the wheat not to produce. So they're going to choke it out. Or they may not produce wheat, fruit, or they'll produce bad fruit. Either way, those tares, they don't belong in a Christian's life. 
But Satan is going to do his best to sow them. Again, I'm not going to give, the, give you these. I'll give you the scriptures. But Satan can work miracles. Satan can work miracles. We see this with Simon the sorcerer or the magician. Acts chapter 8. Also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And then last, Satan has a counterfeit church. The church of Christ is considered the chaste virgin in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In Ephesians, it's called the Bride of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5. But what Satan has and what he offers in the book of Revelation, it's called the Great Whore. It's called the Mother of Harlots. That's the religion that Satan has established. Revelation chapter 17 says that it was made up of apostates, man-made systems, those that are not saved, great wealth. But Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 8, he said that we need to test the difference. Because you will know. You'll know that there's a difference. I realize that uh, we're in the Christmas season. We don't normally learn about Satan around Christmas. But this is just where my heart has been. And uh, now you know, you should, if you've been here, you should know your enemy. I guarantee you there's going to be more things you can learn about your enemy than what I've given you. But I want you to be, as Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let's stand to